And so let's turn to God's Word. Maggie's going to read to us. We're drawing towards the end of our series in the early chapters of John's Gospel. Thanks, Maggie. John chapter 6, verses 22 to 40. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that all those who look to the Son and believe in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's great to welcome uh, James this morning. Do join me, James. Uh, for those who are perhaps relatively new to Christchurch, you may not be aware of the links we've had with, with TEN over the years. Uh, many of the members of the congregation have been involved for you know, 20, 30 years plus in various projects. But in most recent times, our link has been with Misa and Ina Hirescu in uh, southern Moldova and uh, with the reordering of this building only three or four years ago. A tithe of all the individual gifts given for that project went to build a church out there in Moldova. And some of us has had the privilege of, of visiting there and uh, Misa has been able to join us here for the, when we reopen this building. And we continue to partner with them and support them paying Misa's salary 
uh, along the way and it's a very active partnership and it's great to hear more about the wider work of 10 this morning with James so thank you for joining us James already been uh, sharing at the 915 service as well so we're working him hard but really looking forward to what you've got to say thank you yeah thank you Paul good morning it's lovely to be here and uh, you know uh, just to reiterate really I want to say thank you for your support for Misha and uh, for Ina and the church you know I I was out in Moldova just before the pandemic and I've just come back from the Balkans and you know our partners they really appreciate your support it's not just about a money thing it's just knowing that they are not on their own many of them are incredibly isolated and uh, so to know that there are Christians standing with them is incredibly important and uh, so thank you so much for that um could I have my first... Oh, there we go. There we go. Brilliant. Could I have the... That, that's just the title slide. That was a, a picture taken recently in Kosovo with a group there. That's excellent. Excellent. So, invited by the one who truly satisfies we, is, is our title for this morning. We've read uh, from John's Gospel. Thank you very much for the reading. Um, and... Uh, I just want to start by praying. Uh, we sang a great song, an old song at the last service, uh, Break Thou the Bread of Life. And I want to use verse 3 as the prayer for this this morning. I, just, I took a photo of the uh, mission praise. I haven't used mission praise for many years. And I thought, I'll have to take a picture because it's such a great verse. So this is our prayer this morning. Oh, send thy spirit, Lord, now unto me, that he may touch my eyes and make me see. Show me the truth concealed within thy word, and in thy book revealed, I see thee, Lord. Lord, let that be true for us this morning. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts please you, glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I think about the word satisfaction, two things come to mind. One is food, and Snickers made great use of that uh, Rolling Stones song, didn't they, in the 80s and 90s with I can't get no satisfaction. The other thing I think about is questions. Maybe unsatisfactory answers to questions that politicians give or that I give my children or that they give me. Satisfaction is a strong word. It's a word that conjures up something that can have a real gut feeling. And the first thing I want to say is, next slide please, is that everyone is looking for satisfaction. We're all looking for satisfaction. And in those first few verses, we see it in this group of people that had been part of this wonderful miracle. It says in verse 24, and let me read this to you, I love it. Once the crowd realized, I wish I'd been there at that moment, that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. They were looking for him. They tasted something, quite literally they'd had bread, but they tasted something and they wanted to know more. And we, don't we, we talk about an itch that needs scratching. A God-shaped hole was a phrase that used to be used, perhaps a little bit more than it is now. But we have this sense that there's something more. Humanity has always looked for the answer. A friend of my wife's said to her once, I have an existential angst. We want the truth. 
You too sang in the early 80s, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And we look for satisfaction, don't we? Something that will satisfy those deep longings. Sometimes in good places, sometimes in not so good places. It's nothing new because we long for the one who created us. It's been there since the beginning of time, that deep longing. A pursuit of the truth. An understanding of an answer to the question, who am I and what am I here for? You only need to read the paper, go on social media, surf the web, whatever it is, and you will see all sorts of offers to address your need for satisfaction. Competing philosophies vying to satisfy you. People are looking for satisfaction and it's nothing new. It was what compelled the woman in John 4 to say, Jesus, give me this water, this eternal water, this living water. It was what compelled Zacchaeus to climb the sycamore tree. We all need it. We all long for it. Maybe physically, but also deeply, spiritually, psychologically. Yes, the crowd in John's Gospel in chapter 6 were hungry. They had a physical need. But that miracle that Jesus performed pointed to something deeper. It pointed to one who could satisfy them truly, deeply, eternally. I wonder this morning whether anyone here is looking for satisfaction. Whether you're someone who's not a follower of Jesus, whether you've been a Christian a long time. I mean, I have to say this weekend, some things have happened in my own family that have made me realize that sometimes I don't look for the answer in Jesus. And I don't say that glibly. I don't come to him. I don't seek his bread, his living water. Maybe that's you this morning. Where are those things that are a bit painful? Where are you going to? What are you going to? for the answer. Jesus says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Are you looking for some satisfaction this morning? Next slide, please. Just because it seems to satisfy doesn't mean it satisfies. I find the conversation that Jesus has with the people when he catches up or when they catch up with him in Capernaum fascinating. It's back and it's for. And that can be a bit like us, can't it? And I love that we can do that. God can cope with our questions and our doubts, our dissatisfaction. Because he promises something that truly does satisfy. His invitation is for all of us. But it seems to me we don't always really know what satisfies us. And it seems that these people didn't either. They seemed to be wanting more proof, wanting more miracles. They weren't satisfied perhaps with the other religious leaders of the day, the Roman rule. They were looking and waiting for this Messiah to come. Their desire is real. Maybe some were truly physically hungry. And they desperately wanted that food again. 
10, many of our partners, Misha included, work in countries that are desperately poor. Moldova's the poorest country in Europe. Last year, they experienced a drought. The, the crops literally failed. That on top, of, on top of the pandemic was really serious. People have this deep need. But even those deep food needs that we all have point to a deeper need. I wonder whether you sometimes ask the question, not really wanting the truth, but just the answer that makes you feel good in the short term. Truth, you see, is the only thing, the truth that Christ offers that can satisfy. Paul says to Timothy in his letter, people gather around them teachers to say what their itching ears want them to hear. Truth isn't always the instant answer. My generation and younger, we tend to want the quick answer. We tend to want the answer that seems most obvious, easier to access, digging for it. It's just not there, easily accessible. And many of these things out there that offer you satisfaction are the quick route. The wide path. Jesus offers us the narrow path. Like the story he told. The man who sold everything he had to buy the field so he can go and dig up the treasure. Because the treasure was worth selling everything he had to get that which is true. That which will satisfy. The invitation that Jesus offers is not necessarily always the obvious one. It won't be the most promoted by Facebook and Instagram. Jesus in chapter 5 has been facing opposition. The religious leaders don't like what he's doing. And I think it begins to dawn on them that he might be offering something different. And they feel threatened. You see, there were Herodians and Sadducees and Pharisees. They were different Jewish religious orders. They competed with one another. They sort of had a slight alliance, a fragile alliance. But Jesus wasn't simply offering a competing philosophy, no. He was offering the truth from a higher authority, and that's why he came up against them. Our culture today tries to push Jesus down, push the gospel down, just to be another invitation to satisfaction on the smorgasbord of invitations that are out there. Now the crowd come to Jesus, and they seem to be asking the right question in verse 28. What must we do to do the work of God? They are. It's a bit like those who before them have asked or around them in the Gospels have asked, you know, what must I do for eternal life? What must I do to love my neighbor? A good question. And Jesus gives them a straight answer in verse 29. He says, this is the work of God. Believe in the one he has sent. It's straight and it's simple. And we recognize it's not just a once-in-a-lifetime thing, it's a daily thing. For me, as a follower of Jesus, I've been a Christian in quite a long time, brought up in a Christian home. Studied at Bible college, been in Christian ministry quite a while. 
But I still have to daily accept that invitation that Jesus offers me. You see, it seems that these people don't really want the answer that Jesus gives because by verse 30, they're uncertain again. And basically what they're getting at is that Moses, who was of course a great hero of theirs, Moses fed the people for 40 years with manna. You've done one miracle, Jesus. Yeah, so show us that you're the real deal. Do some more signs. What sign will you show us, they ask. But Jesus can cope with these questions. And he says, look, Moses, Moses was an agent of God, used by God. But what I offer comes from the very source of life itself, heaven. I'm not just offering you a competing philosophy. I'm offering you the truth of a higher authority. And by verse 34, it suggests they're interested again because they say a bit like there's an echo of the woman at the well here who says, where can I get the living water? They say, sir, give us this bread. Give us this bread. What are you looking for? Are you open to the invitation that truly satisfies? Even as followers of Jesus, as many of you will be, have some of you deviated to look at other invitations? Do you need to return to the one who offers the bread of life? Maybe you've become unsatisfied with Jesus. The pandemic, other circumstances caused you to wonder. Maybe the idea that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's hard to stomach in our relativist times. I know it is for young people, my children at school, for example. But be encouraged if that's you. Because that conversation, God and the people, has gone on from the beginning of time. From the Garden of Eden, in fact. Through Israel's history, when they were back and forth, one minute accepting the satisfaction that God offered, next minute turning their backs and trusting some other idol, some other king, some other nation, and then realizing that was a dead end. They return to God. They cry out to him. He answers their cry, and he satisfies satisfies their need again. And in a microcosm, in this conversation that Jesus has with these people, you see that back and forth. I was on a recent trip to the Balkans. As I said, I went out to Albania and Macedonia and Kosovo, and I met lots of interesting people there. But it really struck me that you really have to believe what you believe out there. Can you imagine? I can't, I'll say this but maybe you can, but I can't imagine this. Can you imagine being a Christian in a nation that's 96% Muslim? I literally cannot imagine that. Culturally, faith-wise, that's Kosovo. I can't imagine it. You have to really know that what you believe is the truth. I was told about a guy who'd become a Christian from uh, an Islamic background. And this was in Macedonia. And they're, they're, they're almost an unreached people group, the Albanians in Macedonia. It's culturally very complex. And 
He said to me that his family, this family of this man, had basically decided because he rejected their faith and chosen to follow Jesus, they would no longer use his name. And they call him nobody. Can you imagine that? You see, you can't just believe in a competing philosophy when that's around you. No, this is the truth of a higher authority. Next slide, please. You see, Jesus' invitation is the only one that satisfies. Having dealt with their questions and dismantled their idea, Jesus declares the truth. Here it is. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And in my experience, that's a daily thing. That's a daily coming to Jesus. Because if you're anything like me, my attention goes in all sorts of directions. I'm pulled towards this and that, like any one of us. I need to daily come to Jesus as we pray in the Lord's Prayer. I find it fascinating that Jesus chooses bread. Bread. Food for the masses, isn't it? Wherever you go in the world, you'll find they've got a version of bread. Bread is simple. It's used as an accompaniment. It's used in any meal. You can have three meals a day of bread if you want. It really is food for everyone. And the invitation of Jesus is for everyone. Everyone. Whoever you are. All of us are looking for satisfaction. The Jesus offer, if you will, the invite of Jesus, it's not like takeaway night in my house. It's not Mexican versus pizza or Indian. It's a truth from a higher authority, the source of which is God, the source of life. His invitation is, as he says in verse 29, to believe in the one that God has sent. This is not about a set of dogmatic beliefs or systematic theology. The word that John uses to write believe, or that we in translators believe, is far richer than our word believe. It's about trust. It's about relying upon. It's about giving ourselves to. It's about repentance. It's about faith. It's about all of us. It's not just verbal consent, but it's giving ourselves completely. You know, if you're invited to a party, you don't just send the RSVP and then not turn up. Well, you could do, but it would be a bit naff, wouldn't it? You don't get to experience the food and the drink and the fellowship and the time with others. Can we show the film, please? Hello, my name is Marco. I'm 29 years old and uh, this is my second time in Rainbow Center here. Uh, for the past 15 years, I've been slave to bad habits. I was doing some really bad things in my life. I was drug abusing, alcohol abusing. Uh, I ended up in jail two years ago for human trafficking and uh, 
nothing could fill up the void that I felt inside my heart. And uh, when I came second time here eight months ago, I invited Jesus to my life. Before that, I, I never thought that I would be truly happy in my life. And uh, Jesus brought freedom to my life, uh, happiness. I, I wake up every mo morning with a smile on my face. I feel peace, I feel joy. Uh, I have new family here, new brothers and sisters, and uh, he's fixing everything that I messed up for the past years in my life. Uh, relationship with my family and uh, nothing, uh, he's fixing everything that in the way I, I couldn't even imagine. And uh, this, is, this is a short story about my, my life. God bless. is a guy who's addicted to drugs, as he said, and alcohol, human trafficking. I mean, not many things kind of turn the stomach when you hear that, like that. But God has a plan for him. And he, as he said, has received God, who's filled up that void. He's accepted that invitation that truly satisfies. And God, he talks about, is fixing this and that. God is making a difference because he's given himself holy to the truth that satisfies. Jesus offers us life. We don't have time to explore the theology of those who are drawn and come to him. But Jesus is the one who draws us. Jesus is the source of satisfaction. He's the one who put the very desire in our hearts in the first place. That's why he's the only one who can satisfy and as Marco's discovered, it's not a competing philosophy. It's the truth, the source of which is a higher authority. And all who believe, Jesus says, all who look to the Son for satisfaction will have life eternal. Jesus says to each of us this morning, whether you've been a Christian a long time or whether you've not, I am the bread of life. I am the one who can truly satisfy you. Will you dare, will you dare to accept my invitation? He says, look to me for that existential angst. That sense of need that you have. And so this morning, I ask, will you? Amen.